0: After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby! Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Please moving. please moving. play oh, the you're not oh, see i got to this made a mistake. I think I'm bang
1: on there. And they are. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Watch your hair. Good checking,
0: guys. And good play. At the time of this recording of this episode of the Scouting the Refs podcast, it is National Donut Day. Does that bring any memories back for you, Josh?
1: Oh, I can I can think of one specific situation where it was suggested that perhaps an official would enjoy taking part in the celebrated confectionery. That is recognized today. I think have another donut might have been a good good
0: suggestion for a day like today. It it absolutely would be on National Donut Day. <laughs> so we shout out to Don Koharski, who is doing great. The last time uh, I spoke to him, which was quite a while ago now, in in South Florida, and and good for him. And I and I do kind of feel bad that unfortunately that incident is mentioned so frequently with an official that did have such an exemplary career in the National Hockey League and in the WHA before that.
1: Oh, yeah. Akoho had an amazing career, a great guy, uh, wonderful to talk hockey with him. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, you don't want to boil it down to one incident, but it's something that I think even even he can laugh at at this point.
0: No question. The Scouting the Rest podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. There are special savings available for you with our partnership with Manscaped. Use our special code Refs. REFS. For your order, you will receive 20% off and you will also receive free shipping on your order. As the heat and the humidity continue to rise going into the summer months, don't get caught in an uncomfortable, unhealthy, unsanitary kind of situation. Let the great products from Manscaped help you Feel cool, feel clean, and comfortable. The entire line of Manscaped products will help you stay cool all summer long. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Cool comfort with Manscaped.
1: That's it. You you, you got to take care of business down there. You got to get ready for summer. You know, everybody talks about getting their beach bod ready, which... Uh Eh, Maybe some of us have slacked with things going on these (laughs) days, but there are still some things you can take under control and make yourself feel a little bit more presentable and uh, a little better. You know, if you are hitting the beach or you're hitting the lake or you want to feel a little lighter, a little cleaner and a little cool and refreshed, uh, you can not only take care of the grooming, but all of the accoutrement that they give you, the, the, the lotion, the balm. It really helps, Todd, especially as the temperature starts to rise.
0: All the essential features you want on the lawnmower, the super sharp blades, foolproof safety features makes it impossible to have something go wrong. The last thing you need is to start to emerge from the house again in summer months and have a (laughs) lower body injury. We don't need any part of that. So if you're serious, go to manscaped.com and check it out. The lawnmower, the weed whacker, all the great products. And don't miss the opportunity to save by going to the website and using our special code REFS, R-E-F-S, you'll get 20% off. Your order and free shipping. Please make sure you follow us on our social channels. For Josh, it's at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. For me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. And yes, the email works as well. Hey Ref at ScoutingtheRefs.com. On this week's episode, come on, man, let me out. Hold on a minute, I'm not dressed. The cadre punishment decision continues to work its way through the courts. Ryan Reeves gets two. And quickly, there is a new contender for the most heinous offense of the season. That, of course, offense was committed by Jets forward Mark Shifley, who el Jake Evans of the Montreal Canadiens. Let's get into that in a little bit, Josh. But first off, I think we got to congratulate the guys in stripes who have officially or unofficially moved on to work in the second round of the NHL postseason. Well done.
1: Yes, congratulations. Uh, Francis Chiron, Gord Dwyer, Jean Ebert, Chris Lee, Wes McCauley, Dan O'Rourke, Brian Puckmara, Francois Saint Laurent, Kelly Sutherland all move on to round two, as well as Lionsman Devenberg, David Briesbois, Michel Cormier, Ryan Gibbons, Matt McPherson, Johnny Murray, Brian Panchitz, Mark Schuchek, and Andrew Smith. That's on the US side. Up in Canada, we got the uh, the smaller crew of Eric Furlap, Brad Meyer, and Kevin Pollack, with Steve Barton, Scott Cherry, and Kyle Murchison. So congratulations to those guys. It's been a long season. It'll be a little bit longer for them, but they are getting.
0: Paid for working the next round, so I don't think any of them are complaining. I am amazed that you just rattle off that list by memory. That was a, really a <laughs> that was really something how you did that.
1: Hey, when you know the guys this well, it's it's impressive, but it's something that I, I stare at often and in alphabetical order.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay, another <laughs> another shout out to Miko Rantanen and his his argument. <laughs> He's making his argument. He didn't like the $2,000 fine that he received from the Department of uh, Player Safety for Diving. So he wrote a letter explaining himself to the department and they rescinded the fine. I think that's fantastic.
1: It was hysterical. I mean, I credit the guy for taking initiative to be dissatisfied with his fine. And, and how would you go about it? Would you, would you contact your agent? Would you? No, you're just going to write a letter to NHL hockey ops and say, <laughs> I disagree. And he did. And it worked.
0: I, th- I think that going this route is probably better than posting a Google review online about the roulette. I think I mean, you know, <laughs> making a nice argument is the better way to go with that.
1: I just, I just picture Ranton and sitting there, you know, whether it's uh, you know, between games or in a hotel room, you know, dear <laughs> sir, I respectfully <laughs> disagree. <laughs>
0: yes, as opposed to will not recommend, Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, let's deal with some of the other items from from this past week as well. In the Bruins-Islanders series first of all, game number 2, Matt Martin of the New York Islanders, Nick Ritchie of the Boston Bruins went to the penalty box for coincidental minors. The teams were playing 4 on 4 when the penalties expired and I guess somebody forgot the the combination or the magic <laughs> code to the locks on the penalty box doors. Um, because they, they stayed in there for a little longer than they were supposed to.
1: Yeah, you know, Warden lost his keys, so everybody yeah, just had to... Right. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a strange situation. So there's there's a few different things at play here, Todd, when it comes to, to coincidental minors. Sometimes, if there's already a player in the box, those coincidental penalties don't go up on the clock. The players sit in the box until they're full... Penalty time is served, and at the next stoppage, they get out and return to the bench. And in those situations, no loss of manpower on the ice. It's it's almost like a, a behind-the-scenes penalty. To stay good, and your teams aren't impacted, and you guys just have to sit for a bit. That wasn't what happened in this case, because this was the only penalty. So the two minors went on the clock, the teams play four aside, and when those two minutes are up, both players leave the box. Only they didn't. So... A little bit of a timekeeper mix up that four on four didn't end after two minutes. It went on for uh, over almost another minute and a half before the stoppage in play and the guys returned to the lineup. So fortunate for both teams that nothing happened uh, yeah. during during that four on four extended time. I mean, I could argue that it was no harm, no foul. The teams were still at even strength, but certainly Boston had an advantage with a whole lot of offensive zone time there. So a, a stressful moment for the Islanders for sure. And uh, just uh, just a minor mishap.
0: Yes, it's, you know, it's, it's odd that it happens, but it did happen. And as you say, no goals were scored, so everything worked out okay. There is another item from this game as well. Bruins' Jake DeBrusque was dinged at $5,000 for a high stick to Scott Mayfield. The Islanders, the two look to be battling for position out front of the net, and DeBrusque kind of hammers him pretty good with the high stick. There was no penalty called on the play, so for sure it is worth a fine. And I don't know. I'd be okay if it was if it was a little harsher, a bigger a bigger fine, or even for the right kind of high sticking. I think there's there could be some suspension. Though this is perhaps a, a good example of how the National Hockey League looks at everything. It's like surveillance video. Even if you don't get caught at the time, they are constantly monitoring what is taking place, and if they see something, they're going to get you for it.
1: Absolutely. And they do monitor plays. They flag them live during the games and then they'll go back and rewatch certain situations later on. So those folks in hockey ops are tracking everything that's happening during a game. So there there are eyes everywhere and it's good that they caught it. It's good that they find him in this case. Certainly, I don't know that the fine is enough of a deterrent. And I should add, Todd, that any fines or suspensions that they levy happen regardless of what happened on the ice. If there was a penalty on this play, they'd still levy the same fine. They're not looking at it in partnership with the officials. They're looking at incidents that require a fine or suspension regardless of the call on the ice. So I I wish there were a call on the ice. I also think, as you mentioned, maybe this is one of those situations where a one-game suspension is the right call. Maybe a cross-check is fine to issue a fine, but one to the head or neck area, I would be okay with that being an automatic one-game.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about deterrence, I think, uh, before the end of this podcast. The Scouting the Rest podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. There are special savings for you with our partnership. Use the code REFS for your order. You receive 20% off and you will receive free shipping. Now, one other item that I noticed last week, and you caught it as well, that was a bit weird. It's from the the Maple Leafs and Canadiens series. I wanted to touch on it because, of course, that series is over. Sorry, Leaf fans. At the start of Game 7, there is a great shot of Montreal goaltender Carey Price, who is scrambling to put his gloves on as the puck is being dropped at center ice for the opening face-off here. Josh, my question is, I know the refs are only doing face-offs at the start of each period now, but don't they look to the goaltenders to make sure they're ready before they drop the puck? Nope, they don't. Oh. They don't, and
1: and they never have, which is... I think a surprise to a lot of folks who remember, you know, watching hockey in the 80s and 90s and you see the referee line up for the opening face-off and he points to one end of the ice and he nods and he points to the other end of the ice and he nods and then he drops the puck because everything is good. He wasn't checking in with the goalies. Oh. That is, that, <laughs> that is not the official's job. What he was doing was checking in with the goal judge because back in the olden days, there used to be a man in a booth behind each net <laughs> And he had a button, and he would push that little red button when a goal was scored. Sometimes he'd push it when it wasn't scored, but that that just made for extra drama. That man needed to be ready, and that man needed to test the goal light to make sure it worked. That's what the referee was doing before the faceoff. He wasn't checking in with the goalies. He was checking in with the goal judge. So with no goal judges now in those prime top-dollar seats—they've all been moved upstairs— Right. He doesn't have to check in with anybody. So unfortunately for Carey Price, he, he needs to be a bit more alert or at least have his centerman check in with him to make sure he's ready to go. But uh, that was a close
0: call for Montreal. Yeah, you're right. That's the other thing is you all you will often see the, the center before he moves in to take the draw, kind of glance over his shoulder and make sure that everyone is set behind him. And, and that obviously did not happen in this particular case. But but you're right. So so when the, the referee always looks to the penalty time box and, you know, gets the nod from the timekeeper, the TV's back and everything's right. So he should be looking up to the press box now to check with the goal judge. Is that it?
1: <laughs> I think that the goal judges are pretty, pretty responsive there. I think they're OK. He's, as long as he checks in with the time keeper. All is well. Don't expect him to check in with the benches and certainly don't
0: expect him to check in with the players on the ice. Fair enough. All right, let's get into some more serious stuff now. Let's go back a few days to the opening game of the Colorado Avalanche Vegas Golden Knights series. The Avs rolled up big time on the Knights in the opener. And in the third period, the game is, well, how should we say, out of hand. And the Knights big man, Ryan Reeves, decided to exact some revenge on avalanche player Ryan Graves for a big hit he delivered earlier in the game to Vegas player Matthias Janmark, for which Graves was given a penalty for interference. Reeves didn't feel that was quite enough of a penalty, and with the score lopsided, he began to exact his revenge by first taking a shot at goaltender Philip Grubauer and then wrestling Graves to the ice and well, we'll say at the very least, he leaned on him by putting his knee on his head while Graves was on the ice. It was, it was um, pretty automatic that player safety was going to have a chat with him about it and wound up getting two games. So the question, I guess, first off, too little, too much, or just right for you?
1: Well, first of all, I'm I'm happy that there was a suspension. I think the type of physicality that becomes non-hockey plays uh, needs to be punished a little bit more severely. So I'm glad that they came down and did levy a suspension. I, I think two games sends a strong message. I would be okay based on Reeves' history with with maybe another game in there. It wasn't anything that was so disastrously egregious or dangerous, but I, I think it's something that player safety needs to make clear is not to be tolerated in the game. And, and maybe to them, two games was enough to send that message to Reeves. But, but given his track record, I think maybe I could have amped it up a bit more.
0: Yeah, it's Ryan Reeves is a shift disturber, to say the least, just about every time he is out on the ice. And I, and I guess we get into the start of the, of the discussion of, is there a deterrent? by fines and or suspensions that are levied by the Department of Player Safety. And I'm not sure that there is at this moment. I think it's more viewed as a cost of doing business.
1: I think you're right. And I think coaches know that. And I think players know that. I think Reeves, for sure, is going to go out and play his game. And he is going to be a disturber on every possible shift. And if, if that means he sits for a game or two for crossing the line, like you said, Todd, it's, it's cost of doing business. I don't think his spot in the Vegas lineup is at risk I don't think his coach is going to come down harder on him for these acts I think this is the way he plays everybody knows how it works I think you see similar with a guy like Kadri a guy like Wilson this is the game that they play and they are going to cross the line is two games going to make Reeves think twice next time probably not
0: no i I really don't think there was there was a lot of discussion after the incident between the the two teams where there was the big scrum out in the ice and Reeves of course at the center of it stirring it all up that there was some hair pulled out of graves now I don't think that there was real intent there to grab and pull hair that would have resulted in in a far bigger fine and or suspension but i I think it was the result of kind of grabbing helmets and when graves helmet came off maybe a a few locks came out as well but uh, with all of that going on and it being the first game of the series and the intent to really send a message seemed to be going on i think player safety too could have been a little harsher and really sent a message back saying that's enough of this nonsense before it even gets started
1: right and i think the one thing you hit on todd is it This was the start of the series. So you're going to introduce that component in game four when Reeves is back in the lineup. And, you know, we'll see what games two and three look like. But certainly I would expect the tone to be a little bit different for game four, whether it's a revenge game, whether it's Reeves trying to reassert himself on the ice to say, hey, I'm back in the lineup. I think we can expect that that one will be a rough one.
0: The other suspension that was handed out this past week, of course, was to Mark Scheifele of the Winnipeg Jets for that awful hit on Jake Evans of the Montreal Canadiens, who um, is apparently doing a little bit better now. Won't be back in the lineup anytime soon, but is feeling better. Okay, first off with this incident, stick taps to linesman Kyle Murchison and Jets forward Nikolai Ehlers for using their bodies to shield Evans from the angry mob that was surrounding him so that he didn't suffer further injury. That was the first thing I noticed was Murchison was all over. It's like trying to keep everyone away and good for Nick Ehlers as well. That was uh, that was really well done.
1: Yeah, especially with you know that scrum going on. And uh, certainly the linesman wants to help de-escalate things and avoid any any fights or anybody getting injured. But to jump in front of the pile there and, and with Ehlers doing it as well. Just to protect Evans was a, a great move. You know, good good job by Murchison to jump in there and try to do what he can for the injured player on the ice. So uh, kudos to him and kudos to Nick Illers.
0: Also, I have the same thought and or question about this incident as the John Tavares hit in the opening round. And that's how many times are you guys on TV going to replay this one? This is a hard thing to navigate when you are producing live television i'll recommend again our friends from inside the truck who talked about it in their last edition of their podcast it's worth a listen as to how you navigate that but we don't need to see that too many times so josh i sent you a text message uh, after the hit took place and i think we went back and forth a couple of times with the shifley hit and i wasn't sure how harsh a sentence was going to be imposed by the Department of Player Safety. My first thinking was two games. Then I wasn't sure it was even going to be that that high. He has a squeaky clean record of nearly 600 games in the NHL. But I think the league delivered a pretty significant message with a four-game suspension for this hit. Again, I guess the same question. Too little, too much, or just right for you?
1: Well, if I'm going based on player safety expectations and what I thought it would be, this was a bit more severe than I was expecting. That being said, I think it's the right call. I mean, we haven't seen a, a, a charging suspension go above three games in years. And to have one in the playoffs where games are valued even higher is a bit surprising. So I know Shifley called it an excessive suspension. I don't think it is. I think for a guy who delivered a very dangerous hit at a time where there was no hockey play to be made, the puck was already in the net. He gave up the attempt to poke check the stick or or to take possession of the puck in lieu of delivering the hit. So I think an impulsive, poor decision, but I think this is a great example of when player safety, maybe he felt it was a bit too harsh, but I think they came in and said, look, this was not a hockey play. This was a dangerous hit and this is the appropriate level of discipline. So I agree with them. I I think I'm surprised it was four, but I, I think that was the
0: right call. It's it's interesting that I listened to the comments from Mark Shifley, who answered questions about the suspension afterwards, and he maintains he never had any intent to injure. Okay, I'll take you at your word, that I do believe that you were there to make contact. He was there, as he described it, to beat Evans to the post, to try to defend and keep a goal from being scored. It appeared as though, as he was skating back up the ice to defend, his first thought was, I'll try to poke the puck away, but then at some point realized, that's not going to work, and the only hope I have is to make impact and stop him from completing his appointed rounds of depositing the puck into the net. And it's been described as, This is not an illegal hit. Well, it is because it's charging. But the hit itself, how it's delivered, is not the worst hit I've ever seen. I I know the phrase significant head contact was used, but that's a subjective item that seems to vary from incident to incident. But I think as much as anything, the result of this suspension being four games is because of there was an injury suffered and it looked bad.
1: Yeah, and I think those are both factors. I mean, hockey, player safety has had plenty of incidents that look bad but aren't necessarily a penalty or aren't necessarily something that rises to the level of supplemental discipline. Uh, This certainly did. When they're ruling, you know, they're looking first at the act. Is this a suspendable act? Yes or no. Are we suspending the player who committed this act? Yes or no. Okay, now we can look at what's the player's history and we can look, was there an injury on the play? So it definitely comes in to play at some point. But I, I think it's 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 a tough one because you don't want to fully guide your suspensions just based on the outcome being an injury as much as how much was this an intentional act or how much was this, maybe he didn't have intent to injure, but how much was this delivering either a late hit or a hit at the point when the game and the play were both out of reach. So I think it, all of those things combined to, to make it a, a tough decision and one that When we start comparing across different hits and different suspensions, it makes it tough to set that bar for your expectations.
0: That's exactly, that's exactly it. And this is, I think, where some of the difficulty and confusion comes in with, with fans. It's, uh, it's amazing how how badly the league for instance is still getting hammered over the whole Tom Wilson decision at the at the end of the regular season every comment on this on the whole Shifley decision now is like well how come you only gave a fine for this for doing the big takedown of Artemi Panarin but then you get 4 games for this if you're Mark Shaikley and how come Nazem Kadri gets 8 games well it's it's his third offense in the playoffs so that's part of it and it's difficult without knowing exactly how the department works, how the hearings work. Actually, I'll, I'll say that Alan Walsh, the player agent, had a series of tweets come out yesterday that did provide a bit of insight in terms of how the hearing works, who's present, what their role is. So that's worth checking out. But it's it's difficult when you try to compare one incident to the other, because as everyone likes to say, no two situations are exactly alike.
1: Exactly right, Todd. It's it's not. And even when we look at similar plays, you know, two charging suspensions, for example, or or two boarding calls, you might have certain times when a player contributed by their body position. You may have a, a different angle of attack. You may have a guy who was trying to deliver a clean hit, but didn't versus a guy who came in staring at the numbers the whole time. So player safety is considering all of these plus other factors when they're arriving at it. And to boil it down to this was a charging call or this was a guy with no history just disregards all of the other factors that go in i think that's what makes it so tough and i i wish there was some way we could gain some transparency into the player safety process as far as understanding or having some set parameters for how they scored it you know i i don't want to pin them into a corner but man would it be great to say this infraction is worth two games if you're a previous offender we multiply it by 1.5 if there was an injury we add uh one more game onto it or something like that if it was like that then we'd all know the formula but then we'd all disagree with how it was being applied so <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're saying there's no real good there answer there is no
1: good answer it's it's <laughs> you know it's it's like when you're a big fan of a tv show or a movie series and you know they finally explain what the force is or they finally explain why the castaways were on the island on lost and you're disappointed <laughs> cuz you're like well now i know but i don't feel any better <laughs>
0: All right, so that's kind of that's kind of how this podcast is. Well, now I know, but I guess I really don't feel any better.
1: Yes, and uh, yeah, they they weren't all dead the whole time, but uh, player safety will weigh in.
0: <laughs> no, it was all a dream. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and sometimes that's how it feels. The decisions are being made, so I definitely understand fans' frustration with trying to pin down player safety. But just know, you know, they're they're not biased. They're not looking for excuses. They're not looking to favor certain players. There's a whole lot that goes into that recipe. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes it's, it's not always clear uh, as to how they arrived at their answer. But I think I think for Shifley, it, it sends a clear message. I just hope that that consistent message is made clear for similar incidents in the future.
0: All right. One other bit of business, we should say, is that Nazim Kadri, of course, remains on the sidelines. The commissioner ruled against him, as we expected. He provided a lengthy explanation as to why. And I think he's trying to make it stick if it goes to the independent arbitrator, which will, I guess, have to wait for a decision there, Josh.
1: We will. I, I have... The utmost confidence that arbitrator Shyam Das, who's done a few other cases, will come back and reduce Kadri's suspension. He's done it with each case that has come his way so far, whether it was Tom Wilson back in 2018 or Austin Watson or Slava Voinov. Every one of those, he's, he's come back. And Voinov, he didn't reduce the time, but he gave him credit for time served. So in each case, the players... Future games impact, it has decreased. So I I would anticipate the same for Kadri. Now, whether that would be enough to get him back this round or certainly if the avalanche move on, he'll he'll be back in the lineup. I I think that's something that we can expect to see. But that's the final ruling is what comes back from the arbitrator. So whatever he says, that's what the NHL has to go by.
0: All right. As we continue in round two, we've had two suspensions. I don't know if this is a trend. Does that mean in round three, we're going to have three suspensions?
1: <laughs> I hope not. We always say the playoffs are a war of attrition. It's, it's usually because of injuries and not because of player safety suspensions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's hope that doesn't go that way.
1: The Scouting the Rest podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code REFS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code REFS, that's R-E-F-S. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.